thick and thin hoops where ball is always life i'm your host karthik here with my co-host nithin what's good nithin i know we got one more night of the play-in tournament but are we in early contention for the best one we've ever seen yet i think we have to say it is especially because we've avoided the charlotte hornets getting blown out by (laughs) 25 points and the spurs and some of these teams that you never really want to see i think every team has been at least entertaining We've had three amazing games, um, starting with, uh, of course, the Timberwolves-Lakers, which I'm not sure if it was amazing in terms of quality, but definitely in terms of drama. And then we had the Bulls come back from 19 down to beat the Raptors, and we had an incredible OKC game. uh, Took over down the stretch, Shea, Giddy, Dort, and and knocked off the Pelicans. And even the one that was like semi-blowout was intriguing, right? Because it was so surprising that the Heat absolutely batted around the Hawks in last year's first-round playoffs, right? It was 4-1. Trey Young turned the ball over like 100 times and all of a sudden flipped the uh, script and and took down Miami in Miami. So, I mean, look, year after year, we're proving that this is the right model. This is a successful model. I think this was one of the best-case scenarios as far as how the games could play out. And it just reflects the parity of the league. I mean, Chicago was a 10th seed, mm-hmm. and they're so not a bad team. City. They're a good team. And Oklahoma City is a good team, you, you know, even though they're young. And they've got stars. All these teams have stars, players yep. who can drop 25, 30 a night. So it was good. I, I liked it. I liked the intensity. The fans got into it. I think that was one of the most surprising things for me. Staples Center was rocking in a Staples way that was crazy. Yep. I think it's because it's still the play-in, so the the really diehard fans aren't getting totally priced out. Whereas, you know, once the playoffs kick into full gear, it's LA glitz and glamour. So Well, and the also thing is we have a little bit of that NCAA tournament flair, right? It's it's not quite winner go home, especially in the seven eight matchup, but your season is on the line with every play. So there's a lot of uh You know, a lot of pressure. I remember last year, like you mentioned, the Spurs, they just weren't ready for the moment, right? The Pelicans took him down. DeJounte Murray was like 5 of 25 or whatever. This year just feels like the teams were more professional. Uh, They were all good, to your point. Even a team like Oklahoma City, which is amazing how young they are, but how poised they are, and especially how good defensively they are. Uh, They don't have any bigs. It's kind of bewildering to watch them win games. Um, And... Ultimately, it's the parity of the league, but it's also the just general talent pool. It's at an all-time high and reminded that every single night because a guy like Shea, who's a first-team All-NBA player, a guy like LeBron, who's played at a first-team All-NBA level, same with Anthony Davis, like these guys are in the play-in tournament. Like, what the hell? Jimmy Butler, who's going to be second-team All-NBA. Trey Young, who's a superstar, right? Like DeRozan, Levine, like the names just run on, and that doesn't even count for the fact that there are stars who miss the playoffs. That's how deep we are right now. Yeah. It is. It, it, the product is, is great. It's super successful. Took a couple of years for it to really kind of feel like something really worth it. And granted, of course, this year we had better matchups. Next year, who knows? We might have some. Yeah, games. that's the thing. Like um, next year, it could be the Magic losing by like 28, right? It could be. But I think it's a good showcase. Like, so some of the OKC guys, I forgot who afterwards said that. I think Giddy might have said this. It's just a good opportunity for you to get some real intense playoff type action. I think the same thing with Memphis. Remember that one year where Memphis was in the plane that I think goes a long way to helping a young team, at least know what that's like when a team has to game plan for you with a couple Mm -hmm. days, when you get into a tight half court kind of back and forth. And so it's good experience for all these teams. Yeah. I mean, you look at that exact Memphis example 
2020 in the bubble when they had like the abridged version of the of the play-in, they lost. They were the eight seed. They actually lost to the nine seed Blazers and got knocked out of the playoffs in the bubble. Next year they come back. They're the nine seed. You know, the Steph LeBron game happens in the first round of the play-in, and then they beat the Warriors to sneak in at eight, win a game off of Utah, who was the one seed at the time. What happens after that? They win 54 games in their two seed. They come back after that, and then they're the two seed again and have a very, very reasonable chance to get to the Western Conference Finals. So that's absolutely how you build on it. I was actually just thinking about it today. I was like, you know, OKC is going to ascend, and they're going to keep getting better, and they have this war chest of assets. Could they just be kind of the next version of Memphis? Even though Memphis is still here, but the next version of like jumping into that top four, top three mix um, because they have the stars, they have Chet coming back, they have a ton of assets that they want to consolidate. Like, there's a lot of moves on the chessboard for them. And I'm very interested to see because I don't think they really care about if they get the 15th, 14th pick or the 15th. Like, it doesn't really matter, right? So, them making the playoffs, I don't know if they're going to beat Minnesota, but them making the playoffs would be massively, uh, I think, helpful for the development of all of their young stars. I think they got to cash in on some of their assets this offseason. I think they can. They got to package picks, send Jalen Williams out, and get some legitimate no. pieces in what? there. What, dude? What you, you, okay, look. This is a good core. You get Chet in, fine. Jalen Williams is awesome. I oh just think God. that you got to be a little bit more aggressive in taking that next leap, and you can't be afraid to pull a move like the Kings did. Otherwise, what you're going to be like, like in the seventh, eighth seed. Best, can, best, can, best. Can you scenario. let them have one season of being like a real team? Like this is, the, I think, the second or youngest team in the whole league beyond maybe Houston, and they're playing like damn professionals and 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 really going toe to toe with the league's best. And all of a sudden, you're like, let's let's blow it up. Let's I'm not saying it. let's blow it up. There's so many assets. They've got such a treasure trove. Let's cash it in. Why they not? gotta get rid of. They gotta get rid of their picks. That's the big thing. Because right now, if you look at the actual roster, you know they're still paying Kemba Walker twenty seven million dollars a year. Um, but if you look at their roster, Shea is on a max contract. Dort has signed an extension. After that, everyone is either on like mid levels or rookie deals. So they have room if they want to sign free agents. But more importantly than that, I think they need to package picks somehow, some way to then go get a start. You do not touch Giddy. You do not touch Jalen Williams, and you do not touch SGA, and you don't touch Chet, unless it's for a true, true star. I like Jalen Williams, but in, my, in this scenario, I think he's expendable. If you package a young player, right? This is what the Suns and Nets did. This is what we see this. You package a promising young player with the picks, you can get so much They more did it when, though. They did it after they've, like plateaued with their current version of their team they didn't yeah do- look yeah there's no rush for okc i'm just saying like they've you got literally all told these them assets to do it this offseason well I, why not they just keep hoarding picks let me give you jalen williams stats in march 26 and 5 57 46 88 he's a rookie and you want to send his ass pack into detroit for Boyan <laughs> No, Mark I'm not saying it has to be Jalen Williams. I'm just saying you can't be afraid to pull the trigger. We did it with Tyrese Halliburton. I would trade Keegan Murray if I meant getting back Durant or someone. Um, I just think you have... Look, the West next year is going to be so loaded. No, like, who are the top eight teams next year? It is impossible to go through that exercise assuming everyone's healthy. Exactly. Let's let's not assume that because we know with this cast of characters, that's never something you teams can Teams that on. weren't healthy this year will be in better health. Just some kind of regression to the mean, right? 
The Clippers, maybe they'll have a better bill of health. Zion, maybe he plays more than whatever, 30 games. 34. All these teams theoretically could be better. So I want to quickly talk about this Lakers Timberwolves game. Um, I think it set basketball back like 30 to 40 years. Um, I don't know what in the world got into Ant, uh, three of 17, including 0 of 9 from three. Minnesota was up 15 at one point. They ended up going the eight minutes between the end of the fourth quarter and the first two minutes of, of overtime without a field goal. Their only points were Mike Conley's like heroic three free throws. Before we get to the actual game, I wanted to ask you this. Were you surprised that Gobert got suspended? No, not at all. I was. I was actually not. I Must expected win. it. Must win. Just fuck it. Forget whatever happened. We got to go get this dub. No, I mean, I get that. But you have to. I think, okay, so here's the more interesting thing. If it was a 9-10 matchup, mm-hmm. would they have suspended him? I think no, they had the little leeway. Point. I just think that was a scenario which it was so public and so just clear that Gobert was in the wrong. I'm not saying Kyle Anderson didn't play a part, right? He may have said things he shouldn't have said. But he didn't even really punch him, though. He kind of hit him in the shoulder. You take a swing at a teammate. You can't condone that. You have to do something. I I thought they'd suspend him a game. But I think the bigger question is, if it was a 9-10 matchup, would they have suspended him? That takes more balls because there was only one game then. Here's what I'll put out to you. I think it was effectively a 9-10 matchup, and I'll tell you why. Nikola Jokic eats Gobert's lunch, breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner every single time they play. I don't think they have a chance in hell against the Nuggets. But I do think there was a world in which they could have bludgeoned the Grizzlies to death without Steven Adams without um, you know Brandon Clark. We know they went toe-to-toe with them last year and made some stupid plays to cost them the game. I think that could have been a potentially winnable series. I don't think they have any chance against Denver if they, if they end up drawing that card. But then they have to beat Oklahoma City, who, by the way, is by no means a pushover. No. And I actually think that you know there's a very real shot that the, that the Thunder end up pulling this off. That scenario gets crazier when you think about the fact that if they beat the Grizzlies, which plausible... They could face the Kings. I know the Kings are underdog, but they could face the Kings in the next round, and they match up really well against Sacramento. Mm-hmm. That was one team we struggled against big time this year. And then all of a sudden, you have a path to the conference finals. And of course, they're going to get waxed there. But can you imagine? Like That's the difference between this team getting bounced in the 9-10 and potentially making a run at the conference finals. When you put it in that context, the Gobert suspension, huge. And we're going to get into predictions. I mean, I think they're going to beat the Thunder. I think their just experience and their size is just going to end up winning out. I don't think they stand chance to, to to win more than one game versus Denver. That's just where yeah. I'm at right now. But on the Lakers side of things, LeBron was incredible um, offensively. Davis was – he wasn't amazing, but he was very, very good. Uh, and then was str- – just absolutely strapping Cat down the stretch in a way that was almost emasculating. Um, what did you make of just kind of like you couldn't have come away impressed with them, but it was just one game and they've been playing good for two months essentially. So kind of where are you at with the Lakers? And like we kept talking about them being a potential, you know, problem out West. There was times that they could have even finished as high as four or five. They ended up settling in the seven spot now versus Memphis. So, how do you how do you rate how they're coming into the playoffs with Braun and AD and theoretically everyone healthy? 
that game didn't make me feel better about them. If I'm being completely honest, I but I did think that their defense, um, and they've been a solid defensive team, right? But I think, you know, LeBron had a bad first quarter, really bad first quarter defensively. I think since then he was actually very active, engaged, sliding to contest, had a couple of the classic chase down blocks. Um, I don't think he. I think he actually played very well defensively, and when he's locked in defensively, that team one through five can just suffocate you and 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 part of his minnesota like they just i don't know why they got allergic to the rim near the end they didn't even drive you know i thought they got a uh, lakers got a lot of beneficial calls but i'm not going to look at the free throw discrepancy and point it to just the refs because it was literally minnesota i think in the last eight minutes did not have a shot at the rim some crazy stat like that um so I, I think the Lakers, to me, defensively promising. Offensively, though, it's still it's a little messy. And I just don't mm-hmm. think against some of the elite playoff teams, you're going to be able to get away with that type of offense. And LeBron is not in the, the stage of his game where he can carry you. You know, he had a couple missed shots late. He had a couple turnovers late. Uh, I just don't think you can rely on the LeBron ma- magic in the fourth quarter like they used to. And as good as Anthony Davis was, he still... I don't know. I, I expect him to be more, more dominant that game. Cat, I was surprised at how well Cat held his ground. And so to me, I, I'm not more scared of the Lakers. I, I think they're dangerous, but I just find it hard seeing them doing this the entire postseason. There's um, there's really an interesting observation on just Anthony Davis as a as a superstar right because there's games when he goes for like 37 and 14 and it's coming so easy to him and then you look at other games where he'll just drift in and out and just be invisible for five six minute stretches and it doesn't matter as much when lebron's covering it up but you really wonder like how can we find a way to tap into this guy all the time it's kind of the way like joel Embiid figured it out right where he's just go time always i i don't know maybe anthony davis doesn't have that in him maybe there's some like fatigue or some health or whatever else um, I just, you know, I look at the Lakers and in any series, they're going to have two of the three best players, right? I don't think there's any team that has a second banana that's better than Anthony Davis. So that's a pretty good advantage, but they need a lot of things to click, uh, and get, and be right for them to sort of put together a string of wins to win four out of seven. And like Memphis, right? Like they, like we can just start with that series. If like John Morant is going to feast, like who do they have to even control him they really don't have a lot i mean maybe they're going to try austin reeves one of the most shocking things uh maybe jared vanderbilt at times one of the most shocking things from from the playing game was how anthony edwards just couldn't go around jared vanderbilt at any point um and i just i mean they were packing the paint they were sagging off shooters but it was just unbelievable to me he couldn't dribble around him so maybe they start with him but you still have desmond bain you still have Tyus jones you have a lot of backcourt talent that i think is going to uh hurt the Lakers because if there's one place they're weak defensively it's in the defensive backcourt and so and it's in the transition defense they are not a good I mean they don't get back that's they're slow they're old right like LeBron just doesn't get back as he used to AD is a little bit plotting and Minnesota doesn't punish you but Memphis is absolutely a team that'll punish you in transition Mm -hmm. and so I think that is going to be their kryptonite I think the one thing they the Lakers have going for them is you know the the depth for Memphis, big man wise, you're already missing Stephen Adams. You lost Brandon Clark, and now you're going to ask Jaron Jackson to play 
35, 40 minutes. And, you know, he's not, we've seen this whole year. He has a very hard time doing that, getting into foul trouble. We saw what happened with Cat. And, exactly. and Kat, it's literally the same script. It's the same script. And I think the Lakers are good at just bullying you and trying to draw the foul. And even a guy like Austin Reeves gets to the rim, challenges your big man. And so I think for Memphis, the, the challenge is going to be how do you keep Jaron Jackson on the floor and defend against the Lakers size without fouling? Um, that's where the Lakers have the advantage. It's very true. Just like Minnesota was missing big men and they basically had one guy, right? No Nasri, no Rudy Gobert. They had Cat. And it was as long as he played, they were great. As soon as he sat, it was a train wreck. Memphis is going to be in a very similar situation. No Brandon Clark, no um, Steven Adams, probably, I think, on that front. Um, you're looking at Xavier Tillman. You're looking at Santi Aldama. Like, what are you going to be able to put together that even has a remote chance of keeping up with the Lakers size if – Jaron Jackson Jr. is not able to stay out of foul trouble. My guess is if he's guarding Anthony Davis, he's going to be racking up the fouls pretty quickly because he is more foul happy than Cat, honestly. Yeah. While Cat, Cat is a more destructive player while in foul trouble because as soon as he gets in foul trouble, he just goes back into his shell and just like lays in fetal position in the middle of the court. <laughs> um, Jaron Jackson is reckless with or without fouls. And so he can foul out of games much quicker. And he could have five midway through the third quarter before you even picked your head up to realize what was going on. So that is going to be the Lakers' way of winning this game, is uh, winning this series, excuse me, is if they get him in foul trouble early, if they really get after the offensive glass, and then, you know, if they're efficient offensively, that'll naturally uh, limit transition points because there's fewer turnovers, fewer missed shots, et cetera. Dude, we see in the playoffs all the time. Like how many times like it'll be like a random game three and it's, your your best defensive big two fouls in the first four minutes and it all of a sudden changes it messes up your rotation it changes mm-hmm. the course of the entire game and mm-hmm. most likely lost at that point and that'll happen in a game or two and the thing with the Lakers is as as old as washed up as they are I still would take LeBron in the game seven I know all the stats don't back that up but I just think when it gets to game seven crunch time they will find a way to eke it out. So if you're Memphis, you can't go back and forth. You need to end the series in six. Yep. I'm interested because this is a this is obviously the biggest star of the game, LeBron, the biggest team of the game, the Lakers. However, Memphis is not just some small market afterthought because of John Moran and the star power. We talked about this as it related to his suspension and whether or not, like, what did that do to his standing as face of the league? This game could go a long way to reestablishing himself as kind of like that next guy to take the mantle from the young, from the old aging stars, because it's all out there for him. Every single one of those games is going to be marquee primetime television opportunities. Um, he has certainly had some playoff moments, but if you really think about it, two years ago, they lost 4-1 to Utah. Again, nondescript series. Nobody's really paying attention. He did play well, but again, it's Utah. Year after that, Memphis, sorry, Minnesota. 4-2, they were the two seed. But again, who, how many people were really plugged into Minnesota-Memphis, right? Then the Warriors series, which could have been that, but he gets hurt, I think, after game one. And so he really didn't get that stage. This is the stage. He's got the redemption tour set up for him. I think people kind of forgot, given what happened, that Memphis was really good down the stretch. Uh, granted, the strength of schedule was not <laughs> anything to write home about, but they took care of business. They were blowing teams out. They were clicking on all cylinders. Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably as good offensively as he's been in his whole career. 
Like this is a team that's peaking at the right time. And I don't know if it was because of the suspension, because of the injuries, it just doesn't feel like people are giving them their proper due as a very real title contender in the West. And I, I've not heard anybody mention them as that. If they get through this series, I, I think that they're right up there. Um, and, and I expect them to be, you know, in the conference final if they can beat, if they can beat uh, the Lakers. They've definitely gone under the radar, I think. Part of it is, is obviously the Jaws suspension, I think. But part of it is this, this year, all attention has been towards the bottom of the West. And so we stopped paying attention to Denver, really. Mm-hmm. We stopped paying attention. Even Sacramento to a certain extent, right? Yeah, so, you're right. Um, I, I do think that people are not taking them as seriously. And everyone's on the Lakers kind of bandwagon now at this point. Uh, I think it's going to be a great series. I would not be surprised either way. I think, as you said, if, if the Grizzlies beat the Lakers, primetime games, you beat LeBron, you beat AD, that's huge for them. And then you have a chance to go up against the Warriors. If they go against Lakers, Warriors, get to the conference finals, beat your Jokic, I mean, this that run would be incredible. So. We'll see. It is funny. Have you? Could you ever remember a time? And it's going to be hard to like sort of recall all of it at once. But ever a time where the one, two, and three seeds in a conference were so dismissed? The Nuggets no, are it's never. Some, it's never ever happened. Yeah, the, the only Nuggets year are getting I can some think like of it, res- Go ahead. Sorry, the only year I can think of it happened was the one year Cleveland was a four seed with LeBron. I think that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, that was like was that 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 was the um that was not the Atlanta 60 win season. I think it was the time that maybe Toronto was the one seed. And that was where LeBronto was born. Yeah, Toronto was one, Celtics were two, but they were, you know, still the baby Celtics. Sixers were three and the Cavs were four. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone really Toronto already had a bad reputation against LeBron. Celtics 76 is no one trusted. So that was the only other time. But even then, I think those teams got more respect than Sacramento uh, and Denver as a one seed, especially. Like people are kind of giving Denver the customary nod of, yeah, they're sort of a contender. But believe me, if we get Denver Phoenix round two, do you think anybody or you think more than 20% of media and fans and every experts are going to be picking the Nuggets? No, especially if the, the Suns look good versus the Clippers. I think they're going to be expected to roll um, Dude, versus forget, Denver. Forget about round two. Imagine if um, the Warriors were the eighth seed, the Lakers were the eighth seed, or a healthy Clippers were the eighth seed, or the Suns. I mean, the Suns stayed, but my point is all those teams theoretically would be favored over Denver as eight seeds. Denver Obviously, was Toronto that other year, like the eighth seed was not favored to win. Toronto was just going to run into Cleveland in round two. Denver was shitting bricks when Minnesota was up 15. I can tell you that much. They did not want to see the Lakers round two because Anthony yep. uh, round one because Anthony Davis is Jokic's kryptonite. Yep. Um, okay, that's a lot of time spent on that. So let's move on to the next series in the West. Um, let's go to Suns Clippers. This is a really interesting battle because the Clippers botched whatever they were trying to do down the stretch. They wanted the six seed to play. The Kings, but they didn't want to fall to seven to be in the play-in tournament. And the way things worked out, they essentially had to play their guys because it was a coin flip game between Minnesota and New Orleans that was going to end up deciding their fate. Mm-hmm. And, and that game was close. 
that game was oh. close. And even the, the even though the, the the Clippers were playing the Suns' backups, their game was close. So they almost lost anyway. So now what they have is they have a series with Phoenix. So, so let me say this much: there's been a lot of debate on this, by the way. And it's like you just get into the playoffs if you can get into the playoffs. While that's true, the likelihood of you winning at least one out of two home playoff games. I think is higher than the likelihood of you beating Phoenix in a series. So if I'm the Clippers, I set everyone. If I get six, great. If I get seven, great. I think I can win one out of two down the stretch um, at home, both at home to qualify. They weren't going to have Paul George at the start of round one anyway. So it's not like being in the play in without Paul George was some difference. I'm, Kind of surprised they went that route. Well, what did you think about that? Because some people are like, you just get in if, you know, don't try to be cute. Normally I'd say that, but the Suns are just such a juggernaut. I would have rested the guys down the stretch. Because, first of all, it's a 50-50 chance that you get the six mm-hmm. or you fall into the plan. So it's not even like a guaranteed plan. Now, if you do fall in the plan, you're right. You have two chances. And the way they structure these plan schedules, if you win on what Wednesday? Yeah, you Tuesday, still have four days off. You still have four days off. Uh, so it's not like oh, you're going through a grind. Unless I mean, the only downside is if you have to play on Friday. I I think they should have rested. And you know what? I hate it when people say don't tempt the playoff gods. And like they used like this whole idea of oh, karma will come back to bite you. And then if they end it's up Hinduism, losing, dude. Huh? It's Hinduism. Hinduism. Yeah, but it's I I hate that like reasoning. Who cares? You have to gamify this as much as you can. You're trying to stay alive. You're not trying to freaking please anyone. And I just think that it was very short-sighted for them to to do it. They could have easily, that last game, they were down early on. They could have called everyone off, end of the game, and lost that, guaranteed. But Speaking of the basketball gods, I'm just hoping the Wizards win over the Heat that cost them the sixth best lottery odds will come back to help us because we played hard down the stretch, you know? Yeah. That's what's going to give you Wemby. Sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So basically we have the series. It's unclear when Paul George is going to come back, if he's going to come back during round one or not. If he doesn't, I give Phoenix uh, a huge advantage. I give the Clippers very little chance as good as Kawhi has played. You just look at Russell Westbrook in a playoff series. The history is not good. The recent history is even worse um, in terms of how teams defend him. I know he's played well for the Clippers, but he played really well for Washington in 2021 and dragged us to the playoffs. And then in round one versus Philly, it was a totally different situation, right? Because it's the defense and strategy changes. The biggest thing that I think is like Kawhi is going to get his, but they don't have enough wings, I think, to punish the fact that Phoenix does not have a great lockdown defender since losing uh, Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, right? So I think that's going to be an issue with other series. But to me, Phoenix is not going to get toasted on the defensive end because they can guard the Clippers. And Kawhi, I mean, nobody's really stopping Kawhi, so they're going to let him get his. I just think there's too many weapons offensively. And if Durant is kind of back, uh, which it seems like he is, he can ramp up and play 35, 40 minutes a night. And suddenly the bench depth is not quite the issue. Um, and Phoenix, you know, they're undefeated with Durant. I think they're eight. No, uh, or something like that. Now the yep. wins have not been impressive, neither the opponents nor the margins of victory. So I do think that they were skating over that a little bit. They've basically beaten B teams by 10 points or eight points. And that, that is a little concerning. 
but they clamp down when they need to clamp down and they make every shot they need to make. So I'm not worried about them in this round. I think they win handily probably in five games. Yeah, I I don't think the Clippers... I mean, the, the funny thing with the Clippers is without PG and with only Kawhi, in the small sample size of the season, they were a 56-win pace team. Mm-hmm. They've been good. They've but, been good. He's I mean, been awesome. He's been the, the, back. The matchups, you know, there's a lot of things behind that. I think the the scoring is, is definitely an issue. I, I think their offense has benefited. Russ has been great. But what we know about Russ is in the playoffs, I think he gets schemed out just automatically. And we've seen mm-hmm. this year after year after year. The spacing shrinks. And they, like you said, they don't have enough wings, reliable wings, to balance that scoring. So I just don't see them keeping up with the offensive firepower of the Suns. And I think with the Suns, like they, they haven't had the time to mesh with KD necessarily, but... The infrastructure, all the other players are the same. I think they've kind of Tory Craig and Josh Akogi, Akogi mainly, and Tory Craig have kind of stabilized as reliable, kind of like that fourth, fifth guy, or sorry, fifth, sixth guy beyond KD, Aiden, Booker, Paul. And I don't, I don't know, man. The Suns, they can. I was even thinking, like, do you think in this this series, if they want to, they could even go with a their own death lineup with KD at the five. Mm-hmm. This is the one series you can get away with that. And just you, you have Paul Booker. Um, I don't know. You go a Kogi and Craig and KD and just all out blitz. And the, the kind of things the warriors used to do, right? Some occasionally run KD at the five. So yep. I just like what the Suns can do. The Clippers are too shorthanded. I think with PG, this would have gone seven. I really think so. But yeah, I mean, look, I think with PG, there's a real chance that the Clippers even won the series um, because they're that good when they have both of those guys clicking. Um, I do think it's interesting, by the way, that, uh, you know, they basically, this fifth starter thing, we, we are skating over it, whether it's a Kogi. It's like a Kogi's minutes have been yanked around. Terrence Ross can't play any defense. Same with TJ Warren. Wainwright's been okay in spot duty. Torrey Craig is okay. So this death lineup concept makes a lot of sense in history. In theory, we just—it's hard to say because you're having big enough, more enough trouble relying on one of these sort of pseudo wings. How are you going to get? How are you going to figure out which two are going to play well? Nope. Um, and it's just one thing that's interesting is this year for Brooklyn, Kevin Durant played 35% of his minutes at center, right? So he actually logged a decent bit at center because they went small ball a lot. Phoenix, super small sample size. He only played four percent of his minutes at center. They have not tried it with this team at all. Um, it's almost always been with Aiton or Biombo on the court and or Jock Landale or someone like that. So I think they'll try it, to your point. This is a great series to do so. Um, in fact, actually, next series versus Denver, if they really want to bring Jokic out and put him in hell, it might be a good series there too. Now, they'll give up a lot on the glass, but it'll be very interesting in terms of bringing him into pick and roll. So I think that's something they could explore. Um, and also, you know, you remember in the playoffs with the Warriors, the Clippers, sorry, the the Steve Kerr was running a lot of Kerr, Curry, uh, Durant pick and rolls, mm-hmm. which he had never done during the regular season. I think we might see more of that with Booker and Durant just running it all over the place because you switch that, you're toast, you trap, you're toast. There's almost no defending that that action. I feel like the Suns aren't getting talked about enough. 
I, I don't know what it is. Because Durant really, just barely ever plays. He gives us like I cameos. Know, but like, what more do we need to see when he's played this year? When he's played last year, this guy's been insane. It's not a question of will he come back? Will he be fine? It's just a question of when is it going to happen? Yeah. And for the record, and, and now plus, we know he's back. So he's plus thirteen point six points per hundred possessions when he's on the court. So he's been incredible in Phoenix. So what's your pick for this one? I got Suns in five. I got Suns in six. I'll actually give Clippers two. But three it'll be three one and they'll just they'll get game five. What was your Memphis Lakers predictions? We didn't get to that. Grizzlies in six. Yep, same here. Um I, I just I I wanted to say Grizzlies in seven, but I think if it goes seven, Lakers win. But I do like the Grizzlies. One thing that should be noted, by the way, the Grizzlies had the best record in the league at home. They're 35-6. and six. So a game seven in Memphis, I actually think that leans Memphis's way. I as know, good I'm as just, LeBron is. LeBron's game seven, like, like even yeah. in single elimination, these play-in games against the Warriors that one year, like, they, they always pull it out. Yeah, that's true. He they always do goes, always pull it out. They somehow the figure ball. out a way to enough plays down the stretch, and the other teams collapse and whatever else you can call it, but LeBron gets it done. That's fair. All right, you ready to do this? All right. Kings, the Sacramento Kings at the three seeds, 17 years between playoff games until Saturday night. I don't know how jacked you are feeling right now, but facing the Warriors with newly cleared Andrew Wiggins coming back, the defending champions who are 11-30 and 30 on the road this year. And, you know, in another series where they have to win a road game, I think they've won a road game in an NBA record, like a million straight series, so that they're looking for that to continue. However, Sacramento is not just here to have made the playoffs. They want to keep moving, and I think they have, you know, everything they need to to beat the Warriors. But how are you feeling? Like, we're, let's start with kind of as a fan and then as an analyst. As a fan, I'm hype, man. I'm going to be in the building game one on Saturday. Um it's gonna be, it's gonna be incredible. So I'm actually more looking forward to the experience than mm-hmm. the game. I'm actually very, very nervous about this series. Wait, and before you do that, talk to me about your game day routine. Are you gonna get there early? You're gonna watch the guys? Warm yeah, up? yeah. We, so there's um me, Nav, Mo, Vibov. So four of us, all Kings fans. Yeah, we we're all we all got tickets. So we're gonna go get brunch. Um, a couple other friends are gonna meet us up in Sac. Then I'm going to get brunch too as a non Kings fan that day. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's where we're starting. Right? We're doing brunch. Then we're going to go downtown to the uh, the bars around the arena, hang out there, and the game's at five thirty. So get into the building around four four thirty. Be there throughout. Be there for you know starting lineup introductions, all of that. It's going to be insane. And then after the game, we're going to go out at night. Um, and win or lose, we'll we'll take it. Uh, no, that's the that no, that's the worst attitude I've ever heard. No, I don't want to hear that at all. I I actually okay. So, oh, we're also bringing cowbells. By the way, we've got cowbells. We're Was gonna, there any coordinated effort for people to be doing that? No, the kings aren't doing anything. So we're we've, we're getting our own. Um, You're gonna tell anyone? No, they'll let. I mean, I don't think they'll. You're announcing it on this podcast, so I assume everybody at the stadium will have that. I think so too. Um. Yeah, man. No, I actually. And I think what jersey? The, the, what jersey are you wearing? Ah, so I've been I've been stressing about this, right? I have my old Doug Christie jersey, 
mm-hmm. from like that I got in 2003, 2004. It is, but you know, back the day, the style, you know, it, it's like too big. It doesn't yeah. look right. I've got a Peja jersey, mm. like the throwback Peja. I might wear that. Um, I think you go Peja because he's back in the news because of his son, and there's a little bit of like that was the last glory year run. I think you go Peja. And, and it's not only that, the number 16 that represents the length of our playoff drought, and it ended at 16. So, so it's, it's technically symbolic. 16 seasons, but 17 years, right? S- yeah, 16 seasons, 17 years. Yeah, because you made it in 06, and you made it in 23. Yeah. Got it. But but why why I'm nervous, I think we, we're going to take, if we don't take game one, we'll take game two. Uh, we'll win one of these. I'm nervous about game one is just because it's, it's, I just feel like there's so much pressure. The players can feel this pressure. Like it, mm-hmm. None of these guys have been around here for the drought. I mean, Fox is the longest one for six years now but i think they all feel the weight and the like how big this moment is absolutely and it's easy to tighten up a little bit a little too much excitement game one and the warriors will feed on that so i actually think game two will take and game one we might drop but if we're able to if we're able to win game one and game two oh my god i'm so excited because like you said in chase I really think that they're going to fill that arena is going to be 30% Kings fans. I think we're like, I'm going to go to game three. We're going to game three. So it's Kings fans. A lot of them are because chase is cheaper. A lot of Kings fans who are getting priced out of game one and game two are going to game three in Nessa. Yeah. Look, I think it's maybe the worst team you could have matched up with. Because aside from skill level and all those kinds of things, it's a team that literally has no pressure. Because this is like completely old hat for them. Round one, cool. They've been doing this for 10 years. They've won four times. They've been to six finals. You know, it's like this is, they are so at ease and they know the pressure uh, that Sacramento feels. If this was the Lakers, you could argue there's as much pressure on them as there is on the Kings, right? If not more. If this is the Clippers, same thing, right? Or if this is the Pelicans or something, who's not even who are not even experienced, this is a tough draw for that reason. Putting aside the actual rosters itself, my big thing is the Warriors' big issue has not been has been basically they incapable of winning on the road, right? But they gave up so many threes. Nobody has any real explanation beyond that one statement. I just worry it's like. I know over 41 games at some point it doesn't become chance. It's a big enough sample. But what's the time that it just flips back to being normal? I don't know. People have to stop talking about this road record thing, right? Because I'm I'm not saying it's not real. Let's say it's real. Why, Nathan, explain to me, why would a road record be so much worse than a home record? That's exactly my point. No, but give me some explanations. What could the explanations be? I mean, for a team that's young and unproven, it's because they're partying on the road. Okay. That's, That's obviously not the case, right? not the case here. Um, the other option could be that they are strictly just like lackadaisical because they're kind of going through the motions because they've done this so many times and it's easier to play yeah, at but home. But why is that more on the road than at home? Why is that? Because it's easier to level? play at home and you still have your fans behind you at home. So you're saying it's the fans? Do you think the fans mm-hmm. actually matter? I, you think you think the Golden State the, Warriors, the four time champs, need the fans to Nobody get can explain what's going on to the point that I almost I, don't think it matters. No, I think the only explanation is travel. It's just the wear and tear of travel on an older team. 
I think that's the only explanation. But it's and still I think so could... drastic that other old teams have not deal, dealt with this. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe this this team is just that affects These them. These guys more, are a right? bunch of prima donnas, honestly. So I could see travel being an issue for them. Yeah, same. But but my point is that travel, if there's any advantage or any reason that explains that road discrepancy, it's travel. And they've got a one and a half hour bus ride now. So that that I don't think that matters. And especially because when you're playing on the road in Sacramento, you're going to have some group of Warrior fans. So it, it's not even like that is going to really phase them. I don't think that home court advantage matters that much for the Kings. That being said, like I said, I think we can actually disrupt the Warriors home court advantage a little bit because unlike, you know, what they typically have is just the arena fully behind them. Every time Steph's going off. Now, when we have a counter punch, you'll hear a sizable Kings crowd. Um, and I think that, I don't think it'll make a difference. I'm just saying that both, it feels like this is going to be on the neutral court this entire series. The biggest thing I'll say is that the the Warriors have no answer for De'Aaron Fox. So Fox is like the most critical player in this series. I know they're going to try to put DiVincenzo on him. They're going to try to put um, Gary Payton the second on him. I just think Fox's speed in the open court, his pick-and-roll partnership with Sabonis, I just don't feel like the Warriors can really stop him. And he's got to play up to it and have a monster series and show us the 2023 version of Fox and not what we saw 2022 prior where he was making you know bad decisions down the stretch. He turned into the most clutch player in the league. If he can do that, I think they can eke out some of these wins. But I know this from – you know this more than anyone from watching the Warriors play basketball. There's nothing more painful in the whole entire world than being up like three on the Warriors with six minutes to go because you're dead. And that's the situation that the Kings have thrived in all year clutch basketball when they've made those plays against the Warriors with Steph and Clay and Poole and all these goddamn shooters running around. It's terrifying. That, that's the thing. I'm not worried about scoring. I'm worried about it. The discipline you need against the Warriors is insanely high. Yep. And the, the margin of error you have for that discipline, you know, like the Cavs, for example, they had solid defenders, one-on-one defenders. J.R. Smith was a solid defender. LeBron was good help defender. I think with the Kings, the problem is they don't have any actual plus defenders in their lineup. Mm-hmm. So if they're disciplined, mm-hmm. literally there's no margin of error in anything they do. And I think it's just asking a lot of a team that has not been good defensively all year. And I know it's easy to say that, oh, this Kings suck at defense. They're going to give up a lot of points. But it's it's about you know those that millisecond mistake you make, that decision on Steph, on Clay, it kills you. Yep. So I, I think that's where they're going to struggle. I, I think, um, and, and the other thing I'm worried about is, is Draymond, his physicality. I think Sabonis will have a good game. He'll Draymond can't stop Sabonis, but I think he can pick up fouls. I think Draymond can get under your skin, and they're going to let him play as they do every single postseason. So how we kind of withstand that, not get flustered, and play through that will will be big. The, the biggest issue is Sabonis here because he plays a lot of drop, and when he does come up to the level, he's a little slow, right? He's just not a fleet-footed big. And Steph Curry has made a career off killing people off the pick-and-roll who don't step up properly, 
And when they do step up, he has the foot speed to get around. When they trap, you get to Draymond and play the four on three, kick out for threes. We've like you can yeah. picture this offense <laughs> in your mind. Like you don't even need to like you know have anybody describe it to me. Everybody who's listening knows exactly what the Warriors do against uh you know a poor pick and roll partnership defensively. And Fox and Sabonis, while they try hard, are just not great defenders. That's going to be really really interesting to see kind of how they defend him. Do they try to throw him different looks? Do they trap? Do they do they just, you know, hedge and recover? Do they drop? If you drop, you're dead, right? So they can't drop. Um, I was listening to Zach Lowe. He talked about, I think it was David Thorpe was on. He talked about how the Celtics had a lot of success chasing him around pick and rolls where you're on his hip. You still drop, so you protect the rim. You're on his hip, though, which bothers his shot a little bit. And then you just pray he misses it, which is kind of all you can do. <laughs> so maybe that's the, I, I don't know. I'm like, Mike Brown knows this team as well as anyone, right? He knows the Warriors as well as any coach in the NBA, really, beyond Steve Kerr. So if there's one guy to be able to put together a game plan that might be able to be effective, yep. it is Mike Brown. Um, but look, there's a reason they finished kind of bottom, bottom half of the league in defense. They just don't have great personnel, to your point. And the more minutes Monk gets, the more minutes some of these other guys get that are just like not awesome defenders um, would be interesting. And you can't even really play Davion Mitchell that much because it's tough to play him with Fox and he doesn't really offer much offensively. So um, I don't know. The matchups with the Warriors on the, on offense is the one that's most critical to watch. We got to dust off Dully just to give Curry PTSD. <laughs> I think that's the answer. Um, J.R. Smith had a funny interview with J.J. Reddick this week. I saw was, that. Yeah, he was talking about Delhi. He was like, bro, this guy was dead. And then they laughed. He's like, no, nah, literally, he was – we saw him in the ice bath after those games. Like, he couldn't move. Yeah. I, look, I, I sound very down on the Kings. I think the one thing that they have going for them is this is a team that's Warriors-esque in the way that they can put together runs – and punch you in the mouth in the span of two minutes. Mm-hmm. And at home, like we've seen this so many times where all of a sudden they go on a 16-2 run and you don't know what happened. It doesn't look the same as Steph and Clay, where they're just hitting like four threes in a row. But the momentum swings, they're very capable of doing that. And there have been plenty of games where they've fallen down 10, 15 points in the fourth and completely swung it. So I think if there's any team that can punch back against the Warriors when they make their runs, it's the Kings. It's just the margin of error is so sm- so <coughs> small in this series. And so they're going to have to play a perfect series to win. Never forget Kevin Herter, playoff experience from a couple years ago, including 37 versus Sixers in a critical game five. So Ke- Kevin Herter, uh, Harrison Barnes is has played some oh, big A little revenge games. series for Harrison Barnes? A little revenge series. Um, yeah, I think these guys will be up for the challenge. I actually... Don't see like remember when Peja, Christie, Weber, they all kind of fell apart in the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't, don't do I, I don't remember. see that. Yeah. I mean, that could happen with these guys too. I don't see it happening though. I don't think that's going to be the reason we lose. Um, yeah. I think it's just we can't keep up. All right, what's your prediction? Warriors in six. I have Warriors in six as well. Um, take I don't it want it. To, I don't want it to be the case, but. I do really, really want Sacramento to win, so we'll see what happens. Um, all right. We can't really talk about the Denver series. I don't think either of us think Denver would lose to Minnesota or Oklahoma City. Do you feel otherwise? No, I, I pick in Denver in five, no matter what. I think okay. OKC can maybe steal a game. I I think they might get swept, but they're plucky. 
This Denver's is perfect for Denver. Beautiful. They need a get right series. They look like kind of a mess for the last three to four weeks between the Jokic injuries, some really uneven play, and like generally kind of confusing results down the stretch. Part of that could just be they locked up the number one seed basically for so long that they had nothing to play for. They really need a ramp up back to like high intensity postseason basketball. 100% because the Suns or Clippers are coming for them next. Yeah. Um, and that Lakers series would not have been enjoyable. Yep. All right. We've spent 50 minutes <laughs> on the West. That's more representative to how much more fun the Western Conference in round one is going to be. But going to the East, we didn't even talk about the plan really. Um, I just got to give my guy, Zach Levine, a lot of props. Um, hey, UCLA, that's my boy. That was insane. I mean, they look dead in the water. My buddy texted me. He's like, Zach, Zach's got his tickets booked to Cancun. He's out of here. Like, he has no, he may not even come back to the U.S. He's going straight from Canada to Mexico. Um, it really looked like that. And then something clicked at halftime, like it has on multiple games recently. It's kind of like, do you remember the game versus Memphis that Chicago played a couple weeks ago? They were down like 25 in the first half and ended yeah. up winning by like 20. Yeah. Um, it was very reminiscent of that. Uh, I don't know what, what, what is causing them to have these slow starts, but I'm going to tell you this, dude. I think I'm picking them versus Miami. They match up well versus them. Miami looks like they're half asleep and can't generate offense from anybody not named Jimmy Butler on a consistent yeah, you're basis. You're not getting 30 out of Kyle Lowry again. <sighs> yeah. You might get 30 out of Dwayne Wade before you get 30 out of Kyle <laughs> Lowry again. So Or Haslam. Haslam, yeah, that's right. I like... I, this is maybe stupid, but I really like Chicago. And I think, although the season's still been a colossal disappointment, making the playoffs would at least be like somewhat salvaging um, an otherwise regrettable season where they took a big step back and they're kind of in flux. Yeah, I think they'll look at it as, as a success given the way they finished the season, get into the first round. I think they could steal a game versus Milwaukee. absolutely smoked by Milwaukee. No, Milwaukee always drops a game in that first round. They do this every year. They did it to Toronto. They did it to Orlando. They did it to Chicago last year. Chicago, yeah, what am I saying? Chicago last year, Chicago went up 1-0, right? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like every year they drop it. So you get a game on them, maybe two if you're lucky. I think the Bulls will be happy with that. And this season was never going beyond that. So I like like the Bulls actually against the Heat as well. and that's but that's in really? Miami. But I thought I was gonna be on an island with that one. No, dude, the Heat are just like even that They're game depressing. that they won. Or sorry, the, the game they lost, they were just they made a the run at the end, but Bam, dude, Bam has been I don't know. What do you know. think that, the deal is with him? Is it like he is just this is him? He's inconsistent, he's almost like a mini Jaron Jackson Jr. in that way. I think it's just him. I, I but but we've seen so many of those big offensive games from him. He's got pretty nice tool set sometimes, some games. And then other games he just looks like a pure pick and roll, just very passive, not doing anything. He looks like um He actually reminds me of myself too. when I just randomly get the ball in the middle of the lane and I short arm the shot because I'm so terrified of like what's gonna happen. He'll have these like twelve foot jumpers. That he looks like he's shot putting into the yeah. rim. Just absolutely zero confidence There's that it's no going confidence. in. He's, uh, and I know he's always been, he's not like a huge dude, but every time I watch him, it feels like he's getting smaller. I don't know, maybe because he's also <laughs> playing like that. But every time I'm like, wait, dude, this guy looks so tiny. That's why I think Vucevic might feast on the rebounds. 
And the other thing with the Bulls is they have two wings. Butler can only guard one of them. There's not really another ace defender now that P.J. Tucker's gone. Who else is going to guard, you know, whether it's DeRozan or Levine? It's not going to be Tyler Hero. That's for damn sure. So how else do they stop that second guard, the wing? That's why I like Chicago in general versus Miami because I feel like they match up better from a positional standpoint. I think Tucker was an understated loss for them, even though it feels weird saying that because he's just he doesn't give you anything on yeah. offense these days. But I agree that defensively they're not the same team, and I, I don't see how they're going to keep up. So I, I like I like the Bulls in this one, and then do we need to talk about Bucks Bulls? Bucks I Bulls see- is going to be fast. I think it's going to be five games. Bucks Heat, if it is Bucks Heat. Maybe five. it goes to six, but probably five as I well. I still say five. Yeah. Heat-Celtics Heat would have been a more interesting matchup just because I think the Heat feel more confident about the Celtics, but I think it's still being overstated. Like, the Celtics are going to roll no matter what. Yeah. The Celtics are so good. I don't... We got to give Trey Young some props, though, just because... For what? I mean, he's been crushed all year. Rightfully so. The team's been crushed. They quit on another coach. They got a mid-season replacement. You very rarely see a true re- new coach be hired in mid-season. You usually just see the interim tag, and then they'll go get their guy. I thought they played well, or they played well enough down the stretch to keep eight. You know, Toronto and I think Atlanta were tied, but they kept Toronto at bay, got eight, which was turned out to be critical because they were able to beat Miami in Miami now. Do I expect them to really do anything of note versus Celtics? No. But I think that they're starting to show me, and maybe this is just me falling in the trap, they're starting to show me a version that could potentially give the Celtics trouble if they played well. The problem is Atlanta never consistently plays well. They are um, playing well. That I, mean, that's, I think that's Quinn Snyder. I, you know, Trey, whatever. They're a seven seed. They snuck in via the play-in. I think Quinn Snyder, I think the longer he has with his team, they have the makings of something. Mm-hmm. I still think that they need to they need to do something fundamentally different. And I wish they had gotten off the John Collins off him earlier. I just feel like this team is still going to be somewhat stagnant next year. They'll be better. Uh, offensively, they're a lot smoother. But they'll it, win they, one game against the Celtics. They're they wanted to break the record for most years in trade rumors. Um, Collins has is slightly behind Miles Turner, so they wanted yeah. to to see if they could run it back one more season for him to get the record on his own. Yeah, I, I just don't see. And the Celtics have the guards to throw at Trey Young, Dejounte to get them to frustrate them. Clint Capella is is going to have a hard time this series. Also, mm-hmm. he always does in the postseason, getting thrown to the pick and roll. You know, talk about a guy like Demontis, who, Domus Sabonis who can't step up, forced to play drop. That's Clint Capella. Um, At least they can keep him out there. They can keep two of him, Collins and Kongwin, out there just because the Celtics usually play big. Yeah, and the Celtics can. can go small, and then that would that would kind of make the Hawks have to reconnect. But this is a big series for DeAndre Hunter because I think yeah. DeAndre Hunter is going to get the Tatum matchup. He got a $90 million extension, has not really proven that worth it. This could make that whole contract worth it if he's able to guard Tatum. But the Celtics, they're just they're just too complete. And I really don't think that there are a lot of weaknesses for them to be exploited by, and it's not going to be done by Atlanta. 
But if you have a world and you say DeJounte's on Jalen Brown, DeAndre Hunter's on Tatum, you get Trey, but Trey's going to get thrown in so many pick and rolls, it's going to be ugly. So I uh, I don't, I, th- I think this is going to be Celtics in four, maybe five, um, but would be shocked if it goes much longer than that. I'm going to go Celtics in five, but I agree. It's definitely not going to go that much longer than that. And and Boston, I mean, look, they're the most, you talk about being a complete team. Second in offensive rating, third in defensive rating. The only team to be in top three for both those stats. I mean, only this team is, to be in top five for both, I'm pretty sure. Top five, yeah, maybe top five. This is a juggernaut. Um, yeah. On that note, do you feel like people are starting to underrate how good they are? Uh, when we keep talking about Milwaukee as the class of the the East, like I feel like the Celtics match up well with them. They've beaten them in the playoffs two out of the last three times they've played. They absolutely humiliated humiliated them at home a couple weeks ago. Just because they have don't have home court advantage, I don't think that that's big of a factor. They've won in Milwaukee consistently. I actually think the Celtics are being a little bit overlooked as far as like kind of tier one contender right on the same line as Milwaukee. 100%. I feel like everyone's picking the Bucks when in reality, even if you think the Bucks are a better team, that split should be more 60-40. Yep. Uh, but I'm not hearing that. And I, I think it's just because I, I think this is the first time we're seeing the Bucks at full, full strength. Like, mm-hmm. Lopez has been healthy the full season. And then Middleton had his injuries, but he's been back. Drew Holiday's playing at his peak. Giannis is playing out of this world. So it just feels like everything's clicking for the Bucks and the Celtics. It is too, but it just feels more of the same, um, and to some extent. And they've shown more weakness this year than last year, right? They've dropped some weird games. They've lost yeah. the magic. They, they're as dominant as they've been. They've showed some inconsistencies that give people pause. But I agree. I think, I think if they play, it's going seven. I don't like see a game like Brooklyn where they were up like 28 or whatever and lost to me, that almost feels so fluky. I don't take anything from it. I, I think of it as a lapse in focus because they thought they had the game in the bag. I mean, there are some other losses, including, the but there's Wizards so many they... games like that, that it's, yeah. you start to think it's something more. Yeah, that's possibly true. Um, okay. So you got Celtics in five. I'm going to go Celtics in four. Um, as much as I just gave Trey young props, I think it's going to be a quick <laughs> goodbye from him. And a lot of soul-searching for Atlanta this offseason. Um, okay, let's end with Knicks-Cavs, because that's the only kind of really compelling first-round series. Let's go Sixers-Brooklyn. I don't know how much there is to say about this. I've been incredibly impressed with with Mikael Bridges, but they were only 11-13, and 13, kind of post-trade deadline. He's been insane, but he's obviously not a guy that can carry his team versus a juggernaut Sixers team with the MVP in Joel Embiid, the leading uh, league, league's leading scorer, and the leading assist man in James Harden. Sixers are ready for kind of a major run. You know, we talk a lot about Celtics Bucks just now. The Sixers have a major say in whether that not that happens. I think I think Philadelphia is going to be focused, unlike last year when they um, almost dropped a three zero lead versus Toronto. I think they're going to be focused, and they're going to make quick work of Philadelphia. I got the Sixers in five. I think quick work I think of Brooklyn. Brooklyn excuse me, Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn is not good at all. I think they've got this weird overinflated sense of how good they are because I think we we all feel bad for them 
they lost all these guys, all the turmoil. <laughs> Mikel Bridges has emerged as a star. You had Cam Thomas dropping those 40-point games. So it, a lot of good vibes coming from Brooklyn. But the reality is, like you said, they're, they've been a losing team since that trade. So I don't see them really putting up. The, the best hope they have is that Harden is, he's a big question mark in terms of his injury um, and how healthy he is. What is his really injury is. now? I don't know, but he's he's been hobbled, right? Yeah, he's kind of always perpetually hobbled, and I'm just never sure if it's like a real thing or him sort of taking time or what's going on. He His last couple of games, he's not looked good. Um, the last stretch, he sat out the last couple, mm-hmm. but towards the end of the season, he was dealing with something. I forgot what he was, but something, his, his injury from early in the season, he came back, played five games, and he did not look good. And the worry is... He's going to need the first round to kind of get right. So I think Brooklyn can steal a game, maybe two. I actually picked Sixers and five as well. And I think the bigger question here is, can they get Harden fully healthy for round two? Because against the Celtics, they're going to need the whole squad. And Harden's health, I think, puts the whole Sixers' (coughs) chances in jeopardy. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about... um... Philadelphia's title shots. Uh, they Does don't it all rest on James Harden's health, or is there anything else that you think is preventing them? Because to me, I always feel like everyone's kind of talking them up, but I still feel like they just fuck up in big moments, and it's happened year after year, big game after big game. Embiid is dominant as he is. Something about either his post touches or his conditioning or something, just like it all kind of melts under pressure. The problem is they're going to have to play the Celtics next round. <coughs> I think there's a path if they play the Celtics, they can potentially beat them. But it's hard to see them beating both the Celtics and Bucks. So I think the path for them would be they somehow beat the Celtics and the Cavs upend the Bucks in an upset in the second round. I just don't see Philly slaying both Milwaukee and Boston. It takes too much to go right. Like you said, they're not a team that... They're a team in, the, in, in crunch time. You don't have faith in. You don't have faith in Doc Rivers, the coaching. Yep. There's just too many variables. So I think they'd have to find a path where they only face one of those. Philadelphia, interestingly, like they wouldn't do this, but you almost wonder, should they have fallen to four? Because they actually match up better versus the Bucs than they do the Celtics. But it doesn't really matter because ultimately if they don't play the Celtics, the Celtics are making it to, to the uh, conference finals anyway. Yeah, uh, th- there's nothing really that they that was going to help them. The only the only thing, yeah, there was nothing that was going to help them. I, I think that, I, I, but it'll be interesting, right? Like, what do you think? So let me ask you this: Embiid is going to get the MVP. Yeah, Embiid is probably going to lose in the second round. All right, let's just say they might win, but probably. Do you think he's going to catch a lot of flack now because? He won this award. Now all the attention's on him, and people are going to say he still can't get it done. Or do you think there'll be a general understanding that it was Boston? It depends how the series goes. If he's awesome and they happen to lose, like he never caught flack for that Toronto series where Kawhi hit that crazy shot because he was incredible in that series, right? He was like a plus. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people pointed out, oh, but his shooting percentage and his shooting efficiency. percentage was bad, but his on off rating was nuts. I think it was like plus 90 when he played and minus 100 when he sat. So. It depends how that narrative goes. I mean, Jokic has won two MVPs, one of which he went to round two and got swept, one of which he lost in round one, 4-1. Now, 
Now, he didn't have his full team in either series. You could argue that's been part of the reason for the uh, defense. Or it's just that people never criticize Jokic for reasons that rem- continue to they remain They will this year if he loses as a one seed. So that... Well, they won't lose in round one. But if they lose in round two to Phoenix, you think he'll get criticized? Uh, maybe not. You're right. And under that same reason, I think Embiid might not either. If they just say Boston's a better team. So if you lose to Boston and you play really well... You know, you can't lose 4-1. You can't lose, like, in an embarrassing fashion where you don't play that well. He's got to be dominant, take it to at least 6 or 7. And if he does that, then I think he'll establish the reputation of, of uh, um, the winning the MVP. But the flip side is if Giannis goes nuclear in the playoffs and the Bucks win the title, we're going to look back at this like we did at LeBron and some of those lost MVPs. And just be Why like, do we right, overthink well, this? Yeah. You know? That's exactly yeah. right. So, but I can tell you right. this, that's the one series. That's I think that's a Saturday morning. That's, six yeah, minutes. that's the first game. I actually think, was it, uh, I think on the spread thread, they're saying the two NBA TV series are both from the East. Is that true? Yeah. Boston's <laughs> on NBA TV. I wonder how Simmons <laughs> thinks about that. Kings Warriors got the game. number one spot of the weekend. I was actually surprised by that. Um I thought maybe Clippers, the Clippers don't have that kind of pull. Yeah. But I thought the, Lakers Memphis would get well, that. Well, I was just going to say the number one spot you could argue is either that Saturday night primetime or the Sunday afternoon 3.30 slot. Well, those are the two primetime slots. So the so Lakers got the other one. That, yeah. Lakers got the 3.30 one. And they had to play on Sunday. Or they didn't have to, actually. They didn't they have won, to, no. But, but the, the 9.10, like the Nuggets and the Bucks will play on Sunday, too, because they're going to yeah. play the Friday winners. Oh, yeah. So, all right. Last series, Cavs, Knicks, probably the best round one series from the West, from the East, sorry. Um, there's a lot of fun matchups in here, right? You have Brunson, who's going to cook Garland and Mitchell, right, who are bad defensively. You have Randall, who is a chucker at times and inefficient and never stops just putting the shots up, going against maybe the defensive player of the year in Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And then you have, um, on the flip side, Donovan Mitchell playing against his hometown Knicks. Almost got traded there. You have uh, New York's Madison Square Garden, I think, is going to be even more crazy than it was two years ago because this Knicks team is better than that one, right? They have a real shot to advance. Um, I just think, I don't know, Spida and MSG, there's just so many different fun subplots here. And I think these are two really, really evenly matched teams. Even though Cleveland was way ahead in terms of net rating and all the advanced numbers, defensively, they were the best team in the league pretty much start to finish. I think it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be ugly at times, but really excited to watch this because I think there's just so many talented players kind of lacing them up. And in some cases, like Mobley and Garland for first experience in the playoffs. You forget Mitchell and Brunson went toe-to-toe last year. Dallas versus Utah. That's right. That's and right. And Brunson outplayed Mitchell. Uh, That's he was what amazing got in that million. series. They effectively ended the Utah Jazz as we knew them. Uh, but you're right. This actually is a really interesting series. It kind of reminds me of the Hawks Knicks series from two years ago in the sense that you have one team that you have the Knicks. MSG is going to be going crazy. There's going to be all this trash talking, but you've got kind of a cold blooded offensive player on the other end. Like a Trey, where we have Donovan Mitchell, um, who's going to thrive in that under the spotlight. 
I love this series. I think it'll be interesting. Um, you know, looking at the matchup, Cleveland struggled against New York this year. You don't want to put too much. I, I don't know who all played in those matchups. But exactly. I, I didn't even bother games. looking up those things for that exact reason. Um, I think one challenge Cleveland has is they're not as even though they've got Mobley Allen, they're not a good defensive rebounding team at all. And New York lives off of second chance rebounds, offensive rebounds. They've got bigs. They've got guards like Hart, Josh Hart, who crash the boards all the time. So I think they're off, like they're going to get a lot of second chance points and keep up with with Cleveland that way. But all that being said, I think the series comes down to just Donovan Mitchell is. Uh, I, I think he's going to have a series like he did in the bubble, um, and Darius Garland can go off as well. And I just I just find it hard to see the Knicks keeping up with them game to game, and and defensively Mobley obviously you've got the twin towers there. I like the Cavs in this one, but it's going to be super entertaining. I'm going Cavs in seven. Um, yeah, I also I, pick seven. I think that they just get it done on the home floor. And yeah, you brought up a good point. Like, not a great defensive rebounding team, not a great clutch team. Donovan Mitchell specifically has just struggled Weird. in the clutch. Um, the Knicks have Jalen Brunson, who's one of the best clutch players in the league. And so if he gets close down the stretch, you favor the guy who has the sort of the floor, you favor the team that has a floor general that you trust more at this stage. Um, Great point on last year's Utah-Dallas series. I don't know how much that factors in here. I do think, um, I just, Cleveland's defense as a whole, although they're not a great rebounding team, I feel like they're going to swallow up Randall. And a lot of what happened in that Atlanta series is he really struggled to get looks, but all he could do is shoot through it, right? He wasn't able to affect the game in any other way. Now, I know they have Brunson now, but that's the problem with Randall. Uh, he, he's happy to take 25 shots, even if he's making eight of them. And I think the, the, the Cavs' bigs are going to really bother him. The length is so extreme. Even if he brings him out to the three-point line, like Mobley is very comfortable living out there, right? So that's that's, to me, is just... You know, if, if anything, I would bet Jared Allen over rebounds like every game because I think he's going to eat up the glass while Mobley spends a lot of time on Allen, on Randall in the perimeter. It's a really big series for RJ Barrett because Barrett did not play well in that two years ago in the playoffs. He was second year guy. This is now with his big contract. They need to think about do they add a third star using Barrett's deal, um, or is he the guy that can actually be that functional third star for them? I think it's a big series for him. And he has a great matchup. There's not, a, uh, you know, Okoro is a really good defender, but who knows how much they play Okoro because he, if he's not making shots, right? If it's Karis Levert, if it's Dean Wade, if it's Chetty Osman, Barrett's got to attack and take over. So that's the one matchup I'm watching above all else, uh, despite, you know, in spite of all what we talked about. But I think this is probably the best series in the East and the only one that I'm really unsure of the result. Yeah, it could go either way. Uh, Okoro, I could see them putting him, using him on uh, on Brunson uh, on Brunson at times, and his length to slow him down. But but I because Randall, uh, Randall, I think the Randall, uh, I, the idea of Julie, uh, sorry, sorry, not Randall, <laughs> R.J. Barrett. I think the idea of R.J. Barrett will finally die this postseason. <laughs> I think there's everyone's been holding on to hope, Knicks fans especially. Me, I think it's we're finally going to get to the point where this guy is not going to be what he is, and I think they're going to have to make 
some decisions. Um, so I actually don't have faith in him emerging. I think it's really going to be on Julius Randle's shoulders. And like you said, will he play like he did against Atlanta a couple years ago? And Julius Randle, like my thing I say about him all the time is he falls into those bad habits. Uh, and this is a team you can get frustrated with, with the size they have down low. Uh, and so how will he play through that will be interesting. But I think with Jalen Brunson, given what we've seen already in the postseason with him all year long in the clutch, they're going to be in it. Like I think you can trust them down the stretch in these games. And like you said, the Cavs on the flip side have not been as good. So it, it's it's going to be fascinating. But I just went with the easy cop-out. Home team wins game seven. And uh, I'm going Cleveland two and seven. So we pick both had Milwaukee, both had Boston, both had Philly, and both had Cleveland. In the West, Nuggets, Memphis, Warriors, Suns. So we're eight for eight on common picks. The NBA is not necessarily one to to not go chalk. So we have one upset of those, though they're technically the favorite team, but one lower seed winning, which is Warriors over Kings. In hindsight, any you would change? No. Any, I, what, what's the one that you're most worried about? Cavs, Knicks. Uh, but okay, that one's kind of obvious. Grizzlies, Lakers. I I could just see a world in which the yep. Lakers. That's what I was going with. Was Grizzlies Lakers for sure. Um, like I said, a healthy Clippers would have made that more of a toss up. Um, I think the next round gets interesting in the West. I think people will have different answers there. But I don't know. Should we give our whole picks right now? Do we want to save them? Let's save them. Let's okay. give ourselves an out. We'll, we'll, these are our first round picks. We're putting our names to them. Games, winners, and series. Um, so I think that's good enough. And then we'll come back once this all goes to shit. And we're picking... <laughs> Oklahoma City versus uh, the Clippers in round two. I want to see just... Okay, let me ask you this. What what could be a feasible but super surprising upset that happens in round one? And when I say feasible, like, you can't say, um, I don't know, Thunder over Nuggets. That doesn't seem feasible to me. I think it's Kings over Warriors. Okay. I honestly like I almost picked the Kings. But but that that to me is not as like Okay. That's well, a closer one than you'd think. Right. Well I can't pick Thunder over Nuggets. I also can't pick Kings over Warriors. How about Hawks over Celtics? Yeah, maybe that one, right? Uh, they've they've all of a sudden they figured out their offense. They go up early. Trey has an insane series. But that's hard to believe. I would say Clippers over Suns. Um, Interesting. Okay. The, the Suns. Can they do that know. without Paul George, you think? Yeah. I mean, the Clippers are a team that it's not the same team, right? It's a couple years ago, but they're a team that's actually gone far in the postseason given the limitations in the last couple of years. And Kawhi, if he's the guy that you've always said he is, and the way he's played this year, could do one of those heroic single handedly gets them through this round. And, you know, there's some things on the Phoenix side that could possibly go wrong. So I, I could see a scenario in which the Clippers win. Don't put uh, this so that on Kawhi's ledger if huh? they lose this. Don't put this on Kawhi's ledger if they lose. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not putting this on Kawhi's ledger. I'm putting the fact that he never plays and he's not available. 
Yeah, if you just played a little bit more, they wouldn't be the five seed. They'd be like the two seed if you just... Yeah, yeah the them. idea of Kawhi is great, but the fact is we never see the, the full thing in reality. It's always the idea. He shockingly got up to 50 games played this season, I think. Really? He hit 50? Wow. Kawhi and KD, it's the battle of the theoreticals. The, the problem with Kawhi is even when he's healthy, he'll sit like alternate games, so it doesn't feel like he's you yeah, know he's I there know. every night. So. I know. I'm waiting till the first year we get someone to load manage in the playoffs. <laughs> Actually, we'll truth, be, truth be told, this happened once in 05. The Wizards beat the Bulls in round one. Gilbert Arenas hit a game winner over Kirk Heinrich, if you remember. Yep. And they were playing the Heat. This is the year before the Heat won the title, but they were still sick. They had Wade and they had just traded for Shaq. It was a bloodbath. They had won the first two games, and they were so conf- They had won the first two games. They were so confident on winning the last two. Shaq didn't even play game three or game four, and they still <laughs> swept us. I'm pretty sure that was load management. If that was a necessary game to play, he would have been out there. Oh, that's actually funny. I don't. I don't even remember that. I mean, you. Why would you? This is my own nightmare and torment. So speaking of the Wizards, because I, I do want to uh, ask you this: How's the NBA draft looking? Have you scouted out the prospects besides Wemby? Anyone you're excited about? Because Look, typically at this time of the year, I'm an expert. I've read everything Mike Schmitz has put out, even though I know he's with the Blazers now. I'm well-versed. This is the first year I have not paid attention to the draft outside of Wemby and Scoot. So give me your read on the prospects that fall in that four to eight range that the Wizards could possibly get. I because I'm like confident we're going to move up. (laughs) You talked yourself into Wemby? I don't know why, but I'm like confident we're going to get a top three pick. I'm not saying Wemby. But I think we end up with him, Scoot, or Brandon Miller. Like, I ran. Oh my God, dude! As we were talking, I just went to thank, tankathon.com and ran the sim, and we ended up one. Literally, yeah, as up. we were speaking. Call First. it in. Call it into Adam Silver. It's. it's I'm sure you spent some time on Tankathon. Oh, dude, all the time. And in our Kings thread, we'd be like, "Oh, I just ran Tankathon. Kings got first. At the seventh pick, they have us. They have us picking a guy named Jarris Walker, power forward from Houston. <laughs> Sounds a lot like Johnny Davis. And Houston got waxed. I don't. Yeah, even, exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure I want that. I just want Brandon Miller somehow. If there's a way to get him, that would be the dream. He slides. No, um, he's not going to slide. We got to move up. Yeah, I mean, if you get Wemby, I don't even know what will happen. Like, how does the how does the Wizards org? What do they do with that? How do they handle that? They would You've got just a weird kinda, team. Yeah, they would almost just have to fold because they would fuck up his career so bad they couldn't take on that responsibility. They, we would just have to contract immediately and send him somewhere else. Like just trade his rights to like the Celtics or like a, the Raptors or a well-run team like that. You could get a haul. You could get a haul for Wemby. Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, we went through the list, right? There's probably five or six guys you would not trade him for in the whole league. Luca's mm. off that list right now, right? <laughs> nah, just kidding, Kush. Like Luca, <laughs> Luca, Giannis, Jokic, Tatum, SGA. It's a bonus. What about Ja? No, Ja's expendable. I don't know, man. Wemby, I'm still not. I, I I see all the clips. I I worry about that frame. Yeah, it's an issue. He's had injuries too. It's, it's a frame, like and, and people who those. keep saying Giannis is is was skinny and all this, but Giannis was not seven four. 
There's a reason we've never seen it. It is hard for a body like that to stay the joints, everything to just stay healthy. So yeah, it's, it's risky. Yeah. I think his official height is now seven, five and he's only 220 pounds, which is like frighteningly skinny for seven, five. Yeah. But I'm rooting for him. He, he could change like, dude, if, if he pans out it, we'll never see anything like it. It'll be very, very fun to see where it goes. I mean, the draft lottery is not for another, usually like mid-May, so not for another month. But as soon as that happens, it's like a star franchise quarterback. There's no more uh, debate on what you're doing at the top, but it's always like who's going to get the chance to have that franchise-altering prospect, and then yep. the fun starts. All right. That's a wrap for us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops on all major podcast platforms. The playoffs are about to start. We're 24 hours away from the next eight weeks of our lives, our wives, our girlfriends, our fiancés. Nobody's talking to us. Nobody's looking at us. We're, we're, we're out there, um, and we're ready to go.